Now for the latest internet sensation. I can dance. It's certainly a, a step towards that closure um, and a very big step at that. If we keep heading down the path with the attitude, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, it's strange. The ribble wobble, ribble wobble, jelly on a plate. Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your issues. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. They certainly are. Five past seven, Triple M's weekend breakfast with Seb Costello. 11 degrees on the way to a top of 19, and the Western Bulldogs made me pretty excited last night. 23-point win for the Dogs, three goals to pick, and also Jake Stringer getting involved in what was really being broadcast as a changing of the guard. Let's get one thing right. Luke Beveridge's pups are ready to rule the yard, but don't ride off the hawks too soon. There'll be a side that comes back. We're going to cover that in detail this morning. The victory, what it means, what the coaches said. We're here for Husqvarna, ready when you are. And if you had to go to bed a little bit early last night and miss the game, it's an entirety. Here's a bit of a cheat sheet. Bonapelli. Oh, it's Bonapelli. Got rid of him. Took a great contested mark. Biggs' kick into 50. Rough Jake Stringer can give his side a one-point lead and listen to the Dogs fans get around this. I love it. There it is. They've hit the front. Comes to Hunter. Bounces it forward. Pick and marks and goals. She's all over. Shut the gate. The Dogs are through to a prelim. Picking at ground level. Able to pick it off and bounce it through. They're celebrating at the Dog Pound. Don't worry about that. Now he's got some heat. As Chief Dustle said, the Bulldogs are relentless. Bonapelli will kick a goal on the back of enormous pressure. And 87,000 in the house go berserk. Now Stringer. Stringer! What a goal! He has kicked his third. Wow! Five straight dogs. The little man Daniel kicks a goal on the siren. And it's the dogs through to a prelim final. It was really exciting. I said it during the week. I have a man crush on Liam Piggin. Three goals. That one where he just got the little hit on the side of the footy and it rolled end over end from about 35 out to split the middle. Caught me off the couch at home. Didn't manage to get there. But that victory by the Western Bulldogs and the fact that they're off to a prelim final is what everybody is going to be talking about from Caroline Springs to Clayton this morning. So make sure you are all over it. It was the biggest crowd ever to watch a Western Bulldogs win. 87,823. That's saying something. What do you reckon? Do we need to change the venue for the preliminary final next week? The biggest crowd ever that watched a Western Bulldogs victory was at the MCG last night. Over 87,000 people. And we're having a prelim against the Giants, which is at a venue in Spotless Stadium that holds a maximum of 24,000. There's going to be some debate over that. Do we need to change the venue? Hit us up on Twitter at Seb Costello 9 with your views. Still talking footy, though. I said before the break, I've got a man crush on Liam Pickett. He is a bloke that is not very tall and yet overhead throws himself into marking contests and clunks them when you don't expect him to. And he's become a goal kicker. Three snags last night after the game. He spoke to the big Richo man on the Seven Network. It's really exciting. Um, unbelievable effort tonight. We got down by four goals, but, you know, the heart and courage the boys show to come back and win like that is fantastic. That's Liam Pickin there, thanks to Seven. Let's go to the coaches. Luke Beveridge, you could see the smile just appearing on his face towards the end of the third quarter, but he was trying to keep a bit of a lid on it because ultimately that is a man who likes to win, and he's looking at this situation right now saying, I've got two games to go. 
There hasn't been a, a negative vibe at any point in the year, no matter what they've been up against. And now we're, we're in good nick, you know, and tonight was just a great performance against a very formidable football team. A great performance indeed. Now, Hawthorne, there's a lot of people who are very quick to say this is the end of an era and the young dogs have now taken the baton from the old Hawks. I don't agree. And I'm backed up by a pretty uh, pretty formidable man who knows a fair bit about footy. I'll read a tweet from Scotty Pendlebury last night who said, Well done, Bulldogs. Can everyone please not write off the Hawks, though? Too old, too slow, etc., etc. They are an unbelievably good football side. That's from Pendles. He's played him and he knows. So let's just wait and see what happens to Hawthorne in 2017. In the meantime, here's our Clarkson. Oh, no good this losing, Caper, is it? We're not used to it this time of year. It's a good habit to have, winning in September. And unfortunately, we weren't, uh, we weren't good enough tonight. You know, Bulldogs played fantastic brand of footy. They weren't, but Clarko has developed a habit of winning in September and having good form. So well done to that Hawthorne side. Now, you may have seen on the coverage last night that the Bulldogs had enlisted some fairly heavy hitters as their supporters cheering them on. You would have seen Will Anderson there, Shane Delia, the chef. But there was also a new resident to Melbourne who appeared to adopt the Western Bulldogs as his club. He is a superstar and he is on the weekend breakfast this morning. I think you know his name. Whips the ball in. Tim Cahill! The great Timmy Cahill coming up on the weekend breakfast, the newest member of the Western Bulldogs supporter base, if you were watching last night. One, two, three. Here is the three things you need to know about with Channel 9's Peter Hitchner. You beauty. He's been away for a few weeks, but Hitchy is back on the weekend breakfast. And Hitchy, what is our topic for this morning? Three things you need to know about Sting. Very topical, given that Sting was named the headline act for the grand final entertainment this year. Kick us off, Hitchy. What is the first thing we need to know? In October, Sting will make history as the first person to sing at the AFL grand final without a last name. Incidentally, Mr Loaf's first name is Meat. <laughs> well... Fair clarification. There may be some people at home who would have thought, what about the loaf? And I'm glad you cleared that up. All right. What is the second thing you need to know? Sting's wife calls him Sting around the home. That's fascinating. So it's not just a stage name. Doesn't go by Gordon, which is his real name when he's at home. I like that. Hitchy, what is the third thing we need to know? Sting owns a nine-bedroom, ten-bathroom house in Tuscany. The Italian property is available for rent for all occasions, including weddings, and bunga bunga parties. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like fun. May have to check out the real estate agent. That is Peter Hitchner with three things you need to know. Thanks, Hitchy. That was the three things you need to know with Peter Hitchner. Here's one for the nanny state. There's a baseball game over in America coming up in the next few days. It's between the Mets and the Nationals. And the Mets fans are looking for revenge because the last time they went to the Nationals' home ground in Washington, two men were ejected for cheering too loudly. Witnesses say guards issued warnings for cheering too loudly, confiscated the thunder sticks, the inflatable clapping stick noisemakers, and then ejected two fans. 
Tracy Lynch, who was one of the Mets fans, said that she saw nothing disruptive. All she heard was a chant at a Nationals player called Jason Worth that went, Jason Worthless. And she said security told her to sit down. What is all that about? If you go to a sporting game, you've got to be allowed to cheer. These armed robberies around Melbourne are getting out of control and they've got to stop. This is affecting people's lives, as you're about to hear. Perry, who runs All Diamonds in Elstonwick, has agreed to speak to us this morning. And I appreciate it because he went through something that I cannot even imagine. And it's now a few weeks on and I want to go back to him and, and I guess check in to get the human impact of this stuff. Morning, Perry. Morning, Seb. How are you? Just tell us once again what happened. Uh, what happened, Seb, was it was um, the day after Father's Day, September the 5th. I'd actually, being a single dad full-time, went next door to get some uh, dinner for the kids at the cafe. And um, a lady said, you're being robbed. And I went in and there it was happening. Two masked men, one with a uh, gun, one with a sledgehammer. I opened the door and said, get out of my shop. I, I think that's what I said. And guns were point, well, gun was pointed at me two or three times as I tried to enter while the other guy was smashing cabinets open. Um, the, after reviewing all the tapes, the 70 seconds that uh, they were only in the shop for looked like bloody, or felt like, felt like an hour. It was like a war zone, glass everywhere. You know, it's, it's, it's only, uh, what, uh, a week and a half now since it's, since it's happened and counselling's in the process for the girls. Um, it's just something you just don't fathom, you just don't understand. And you just don't point a gun at a woman and, and, and push her into the back room and make her open the safe, you know, the poor thing's suffering. Um, we're all back at work. We've, we've implemented huge security measures now. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. And, you know, my kids are affected naturally as well, Seb. For people who don't know you, you're a pretty big, strong bloke. I mean, a bit of your background, played under-19s at, at St Kilda and the VFL and then moved on and played footy you know, around the suburbs at a pretty high level. You're a tough guy. But is this still even hard for you to deal with? Yeah, it really is, Seb. You know, I mean, I, I tried to to get the guy with the sledgehammer to come out of the shop and around the corner a bit. Uh, but, you know, um, when there's a gun involved and, and then you, you look back at it all and you think, crikey, you know, my ex-wife actually uh, rang me and said, are you stupid? You know, with tears in her eyes, you know, we still need you and my girlfriend's been affected by it. It's like the old ripple effect said that I just don't know if people really understand the the impact until it actually happens to them. And it's just got to bloody stop, mate. Your staff member who went through this, is she there? Yes, she is here. Could we have a chat to her? Yeah, I'll put her on. Just just call her Jill. (laughs) All right, Seb. Thanks for that. Hi. Jill, this is a really brave thing for you to talk about something that must have been horrifying. What do you remember of going through it? Like I could see out the window and I'd just seen this guy with a red thing wrapped around his head coming towards us and I yelled, to everyone get down and then um, the next thing I just remember a gun pointing at me to open the safe and I just did what I had to do and then just got out of there. And you did well and, and everybody survived uninjured, thank God for that. How has it been mentally for you in the days after what's happened? Um, not good, I'm scared to be alone, I was scared to go to work, at work I'm still jumpy, I haven't slept much. I just keep thinking about it and what happened and, yeah, it's not good. Does it replay on your mind? 
throughout the day it's worse at night time like I don't want to go to sleep because I like dream about it mainly just this guy in red just barging into the shop and then I, the gun you are incredibly brave to be able to talk about this and I know you know there's been some help organized for you and any support that uh, that we can provide don't hesitate to ask thank you appreciate that uh, Chuck Perry back on if that's all right Jill but thank you for that thank you good I said all the very best for you, for the business, for the staff, and thank you for talking with us this morning. No, no problems at all, Seb, and I, I really hope that, you know, the police, uh, you know, catch these guys. You know, and as I just keep saying, send out the love, mate, because anger doesn't help anyone in this situation. Well said, mate. Perry there and his employee, Jill, who were put through a horrifying armed robbery in Elstonwick. Really excited to welcome our next guest in. He's been very patient on the phone for us. It's a very good morning to the great Tim Cahill. G'day, Tim. Good morning. Mate, how was the footy last night? Up there in the grandstand at the MCG, watching a semi-final. Mate, I'm converted. Um, <laughs> converted. I have to say, um, you know, going on stage at Federation Square, walking with the fans to the stadium, um, that's what it's all about. Uh, they're fighters, and they proved that last night. That's fantastic. Now, mate, we did see the Western Bulldogs' colours on your person. Who was the one that converted you to the dogs? Uh, it's Shane DeLeo, I have to be totally <laughs> honest. He's welcomed me to, to Melbourne. Um, he asked me to come out to a game, um, you know, three weeks ago. I took a few of the Melbourne City supporters, and, you know, I think it's important, first of all, that they're blue, that I played for Everton and Millwall. Um, secondly, uh, young team, fighters, very impressive coach, and, you know, they've, they've done it the hard way, but um, it, it's an example of the game last night. You know, they, they started slow, um, they come back and they finish strong, which was really impressive. Thought you had better taste than hanging out with the likes of Delia, mate. Listen, uh, like anything, down to earth. I like cooking. I like food. He's a top bloke. And, no, he's um, a ripper. He's got a good team. Very much so. Now, mate, uh, coming to the A-League, it's pretty exciting uh, for Melbourne City. And I think for, for football fans, soccer fans around the country, uh, just tell us, you know, it must have been a, a big decision for you, but uh, what lured you to Melbourne? Oh, it was a massive decision. I think, first of all, when you look at the whole setup, um, first it was a city football group, um, speaking with the main guys in um, in England and meeting, you know, the bosses in, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but they really impressed me. And, you know, it's what I'm going to do after football as well. So, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier. It's a professional setup, fantastic club here. And I'm looking forward to doing great things here. And no doubt you're going to. You mentioned Abu Dhabi, and last time you were there, you did some very nice work making sure the Socceroos <laughs> defeated the UAE 1-0. Mate, we read that it was oppressive conditions. What was it like playing over there? Yeah, it's tough. I think the, the best thing with the, with the manager is, is we don't really take in too much, you know, the conditions, regardless whether it was 37 degrees, because, you know, other teams have to play there as well and they're in the same conditions but it, it was tough and the good thing is now we're testing ourselves you know in, in all sorts of climates and we're going to be tested again um, when we go to Saudi Arabia um, very soon and mate you're the greatest soccer of all time on a goal scoring level you came on as a sub in that UAE game as uh, you know you into this stage of your career, is that the contribution you want to make to the Socceroos is a, is a real pinch hitter there or do you think you've uh, still got 90 minutes in you when it comes to it? Oh, I think I've made that contribution consistently throughout my career and I think uh, when you stay professional and make sure that your body's right and you do everything extra, um, you don't want to be a five-minute player. Mm. I think the, the best thing is is to always play as long as possible but you know, I don't think I was fit enough because I, I hadn't played 
you know, for two months. And I've just come into um, camp after only playing 20 minutes with City and then only 20 minutes with the national team and now 60 minutes under my belt the other day in Townsville. So um, it's all a progression. But for me, um, everyone knows what I'm like. Uh, it's 100% or nothing. And whether it's five or 90, I say that um, I'll give everything. But changing the game is the most important thing in contributing. Well, mate, you've said that you've set your sights on heading to Russia for the 2018 World Cup, which would be, I think, your fourth campaign with the Socceroos. That'd be a hell of an effort. Does it mean a lot to you to represent the green and gold? Yeah, it means a lot because, you know, it's, it's everything you dream of as a kid to put on the jersey. And, you know, moments like that in Abu Dhabi has consistently come for me because of how much it means to me. You know, and that five minutes changes, you know, the imprint of, of football in general and might have a big say in qualifying for another World Cup when we look back at that game. So, um, yeah, my country means everything to me. And that, that's the reason why, you know, if we understand that regardless whether you play or don't play, you contribute in some sort of way to get us there, then if you can make that journey and make it four World Cups, fantastic. If not, then you've played your part. Mate, you're an amazing soccer player and you're also an amazing businessman. Congratulations mm-hmm. uh, on the, your lifestyle fashion brand that you've just launched, the Cahill Plus, Thank you. which is that uh, real high-end sportswear for blokes and people can uh, get down and have a look at that at Maya today. Aside from the stuff that you have a hand in designing, what is your favourite piece of clothing? Oh, for me, it's the, new, the, the bomber jackets now. I think uh, especially with this weather, you know, I, I knew it was going to be cold, but... Um, I, I like casual. I like things that are comfortable and, you know, whether it's going to the footy or um, catching up with the boys after or taking your wife for a meal, um, you know, it's pretty difficult these days for people to be wearing suits and, you know, the button-up shirts. So um, I like to keep things quite casual and, you know, I'm in, I'm in a pretty fashion iconic uh, city now in Melbourne and I can tell and I can see people wearing my clothes and it's just a, an absolute pleasure now to be, you know, really... Um, coming in on this market and people are uh, accepting it. Well, mate, good luck with it. And uh, people can get down there and see you today at Maya yeah. Melbourne at 2pm. You're down here uh, doing a bit with the Cahill Plus brand. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to meeting the fans. And I think, um, you know, obviously I love my business, but also the activation with the fans is pretty special as well. So I look forward to seeing uh, some people down there today. Yeah, chance for an autograph for a few fans if they're patient? 100%. Listen to that. That's fantastic. Well, Tim Cahill, welcome to Melbourne. Well done to your Western Bulldogs last night. And uh, (laughs) thanks for talking to us on the weekend breakfast. Thanks, my man. Take care. Time to talk some footy with the Premiership star from the Hawthorne Footy Club, now turned star media commentator. Morning, Campbell Brown. G'day, Seb. How are you, mate? Mate, What a game last night. Oh, how about that? Now, look, it must have been uh, the Hawthorne man in you must have been a bit disappointing, but we saw Luke Beveridge's pups show signs that they're going to rule the yard for some seasons, didn't we? Yeah, they played a really mature brand of football. I thought they jumped the Hawks early, and those missed shots on goal were were so critical. One goal, five at quarter time, and almost looked like they kicked themselves out of the game. The Hawks capitalised, but they went in... uh, just with about five minutes to go before half time, and they just got their mojo back and basically went in um, with all the momentum and were far too good in the second half. And I think Hawthorne's got a forward line or lack of a big man up in that forward line. 
Um, they've been able to manage it for the majority of the home and away season, but it certainly got exposed over the last couple of weeks in the finals. Maybe that's why they're eyeing off a Ty Vickery type. I'll start with Liam, uh, Liam Pickin and uh, Jake Stringer, who kicked three goals as well. And, and Stringer particularly you know, pops up at the start of the second quarter with a goal. It just seemed to show that the dogs were still in this game. But what I really liked from him was in the third quarter, Stringer, went after Taylor Duray with a tackle that just nailed him over the boundary line. And that was a sign that physically this side was competing with Hawthorne. Yeah, it's funny game football. When you do the 1% as well, you get a really good smother in the first quarter. Didn't get a possession for it, but he just locked the ball in. The tackles, the things like that. When you're prepared to roll up the sleeves and do those little things, then the reward comes on the other end. He gets on the end of a couple and all of a sudden kicks some goals and starts to, to feel good about himself. And, and uh, the confidence returned to Jake Stringer, um, one guy that I absolutely loved. He's had a pretty rough time in footy, but Clay Smith, yeah. uh, he's back out there playing 10 tackles, those two critical goals just before halftime. And I said it last week, uh, they're just a special group, this Western Bulldog side. And, and you can you love watching them play. You genuinely believe that they can do something special this year. And they've got another tough road trip over to, to GWS, but... You wouldn't put it past them on the back of how they've played the last fortnight. Not at all, mate. Speaking of Clay Smith, too, one of the images that is going to stick with me came very late in the game in the fourth term, and it was Sammy Mitchell, the great Sammy Mitchell, who uses it like no other. He had it in the middle. He went to try and deliver one of those short kicks that he has so many times, and even though the game was probably over, Clay Smith throws himself on Sam Mitchell's boot and gets the smother. They play for keeps, don't they? Yep. And, um, you've got to be prepared to pay the price in finals and, and unfortunately sometimes you get injuries and things like that because of the physicality of the game. Poor Ling Jong last week, but um, you're right, they just they come to play and they play a ferocious brand of football. They play for one another and, and they play the whole 120 minutes and um, and that just yeah, that sums it up. They're, they're playing right to the final side and it's one of the biggest wins that they've probably had as a, as a group. Um, in a very, very long time. If I had to be slightly critical of Clay Smith, and I say this as a man who would look rubbish with tattoos, <laughs> he's got to finish the sleeve on his arm. <laughs> Must finish it this summer. Has to happen. With a, a proper sleeve, because he can't go through a, another season with uh, just uh, the half-marked ink. He looks like a recently purchased colouring book at the moment. <laughs> need to get some colour in there. Hey, mate, just really quickly to finish off, we had 87,000 there last night. The dogs are going to spotless, maximum capacity 24,000. Do you think the AFL needs to have a rethink about the venues for the prelim? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because once they lock a game in and, and um, the Giants deserve their, their right to have a home final, so um, unfortunately spotless just doesn't cater for too many people. Um, I, I, I'd leave it. It's just one of those things. I don't think it's going to happen all the time. And, um, you know, we only really talk about it once a year, this time of year, if it happens. So um, if you earn the right for a, for a home prelim, maybe it's hard, to, it's hard to pull it from them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Brownie, have a sensational weekend. Good on you, Seb. Let's talk about tonight's semi-final. And to do so, we welcome in Jude Bolton. Hey, Jude. Morning, Seb. How are you, mate? Mate, really well. I'll just start on the Doggies and the Giants prelim, which is uh, coming up in just a few days. We just had a chat to Brownie about whether we need to think about the fact 87,000 watched last night's game and next week there's going to be a stadium used that has a capacity of 24. Do you think we need to rethink? 
Um, I think there has to be a little bit of a rethink, but but they haven't they haven't that right to play at a, uh, their home final. And uh, I, I mean, we've been out there commentating a lot of the Giants games. They've averaged about fourteen thousand most of the, most of those times. But this will be jam packed. Obviously, next week there's going to be so many Dogs fans missing out, which is going to be really sad. So hopefully, there's a bit of a rethink. But uh, yeah, we're going to wait and see how what uh, what the AFL come up with. The SCG tonight, Saturday, it is seven twenty-five p.m. and I reckon at each end we're going to see just about the two most exciting forwards in the competition. Speaking of Buddy Franklin and Eddie Betts. Unbelievable. I mean, the, both of them have just been in uh, in great form. Obviously, uh, um, you know, Franklin was a little bit off uh, last week, but uh, you know, he's, they're so they can turn a game in an instant. And uh, I think the the fact that the whole forward line for Adelaide is just a, a dominant force with with Jenkins having kicked over sixty goals, Walker as well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a uh, a tough task for the Swans to uh, to limit supply into those those forwards. How do you reckon horses approach this week? John Longmire, of course, the uh, Sydney coach. I mean, this is a side that's finished top of the ladder who's looking down the barrel of a straight sets exit, which is almost unheard of. Do you talk about that or do you just go back to basics and say, boys, we won the right to a minor premiership and this shouldn't be much of an issue? Seb, I know for a fact, uh, I think he barreled them on Monday. Yep. I think they were uh, they were really, I guess, touched up by the younger brother. They were bullied. They were pushed around. And I think he put it upon the, a lot of the leaders. And, uh, you know, I expect a response because they've got some, uh, obviously, some quality through the midfield. Um, you know, you speak of Hannery, Parker, Mitchell, um, you know, Kennedy, who were just, um, you know, outplayed by, uh, by the Giants midfielders. And, you know, I expect a response from those guys. Nick Smith on Eddie Betts? Yeah, yeah, he's he's got to be the one he goes to, to be honest. And uh, um, you know, Nick Smith, uh, he has the unenviable task of taking the best small forward every week, and uh, you wouldn't have too many sleepless, uh, uh, too many uh, not good night sleeps the night before a game. But uh, he does a does a great job. But it's more about supply. Eddie's Eddie's such a, uh, uh, I guess, a multifaceted player. He can beat you in the air. He can beat you on the lead or, or crumb as well. So um, you've just got your work cut out the whole time. Talking to Jude Bolton, former Swan superstar, does some very nice work on the Seven Network as well. Mate, Rory Sloan's had a hell of a season for the Crows too. Second in the AFLPA MVP, vice-captain of the All-Australian side. Do you look to nullify him with a negating player or do you send a Josh Kennedy to him and go head-to-head? Yeah, it could be a little bit of a head-to-head stuff. I think it's because the both sides are very strong around the contest. I think there's not too many you know, purely negating roles. Tom Mitchell's been the one that has been that uh, sort of shutdown player during the year, but uh, but certainly Rory Sloan. I mean, he, uh, you know, that was one of the reasons they lost that uh, round 23 clash against West West Coast, not having he and also Brody Smith in, in the lineup. You miss, um, you know, you hit around the contest, but also your good ball use. And uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, if you know, obviously Geelong awaits and. I think they wouldn't want to play Swans more so than uh, than Adelaide. They've beaten Adelaide uh, twice this year quite comfortably. Um, so it's it's just going to be interesting how it matches up. But for me, I feel that uh, the Swans are capable of beating a, uh, a Geelong, uh, and they did that earlier on in the year. But uh, uh, they've got to get across Adelaide and it's uh, and pick themselves up after a, an ordinary performance last week. Do I pick up at this stage, mate? You might even be thinking we could have a battle of the Bridge Grand Final. 
Potentially, absolutely. It's massively on the cards. Um, if, if it ends up being um, uh, uh, obviously at Spotless next week, they are so quick on Spotless, uh, the Giants. Um, and I know how well the Dogs played last night. They were so inspirational. But it's a tough task to win out there, obviously, as well. So, um, yeah, if, if the Swans get over the line tonight, I, I think it could be a, a big chance of, a, of a, der- a Sydney Derby grand final. That'd be incredible. And you know what? It would also be a fascinating contest, too, given what happened, you know, not so long ago and, and the, you know, the, what was said on the field and all that tension and stuff. I, I actually get excited thinking about that. <laughs> oh, the, the rivalry is now built. It was yeah. manufactured early on, Seb, and, and we all understand why it was manufactured, but it has got some real angst and, uh, and you know, a bit of hate about it too, and, and the fans pick up on that, and that's what, you know, that's what sells boxing matches. It sells what sells yes. everything across the... Uh, across the journey. You need a little bit of antagonism and a little <laughs> bit of conflict to get bums in seats. I like <laughs> it. Jude Bolton, appreciate the chat. Mate, fantastic, Sam. Look forward to it. You may have seen this whole industrial dispute that's going on at the moment between Carlton United Breweries and the Electrical Trades Union. A lot of he said, she said stuff, and you don't really know who to believe. There was a pretty disappointing incident at the brewery in Abbotsford yesterday where a cancer sufferer was actually roughed up outside the union picket line. He had to go to hospital. He's okay now, I'm told, and police investigations will continue. But while the industrial situation works itself out, we need to think about how this affects all of us. Do you drink beer? Good. Well, here's some information you need to know because some have been saying that this dispute could lead to the end of the Abbotsford Brewery and in the short term, it could lead to a beer shortage in Melbourne. Literally, the city with no beer during the footy finals over the past fortnight. Now, that that is a pretty bleak picture. So being the investigative journalist that I am, I thought I need to get to the heart of what is the key issue here. I got on the phone yesterday with Gary Woodburn, who is one of the high-up managers at CUB, and asked him the big question. There's been a lot of panic about a potential beer shortage during the footy finals due to this situation. Is that really on the cards? No. Yay. <laughs> no, 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 need to worry, no need to worry about beer at footy finals. Um, both breweries are producing. Stock levels are very healthy. Something hasn't happened in my, my five years. I don't think it's going to happen this time. So sit down and enjoy a couple of Luke beverages this afternoon because everything is going to be okay. All right, one triple three five three. Got a couple of tickets to We Will Rock You to give away. I want to drill down into the venue issue on the preliminary final. What we had last night was the largest crowd that's ever watched a Western Bulldogs victory, 87,000, in excess of 87,000 people. And they're going to be asked to front up to Spotless Stadium next week, which has a maximum capacity of 24,000. I say the AFL has to at least review the situation and get some real feedback from the GWS to figure out what the demand is going to be. And I asked Campbell Brown about this just a few minutes ago on the weekend breakfast. Here was his view on whether we need to change the venue for the prelim between GWS and the Dogs. Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because once they lock a game in and, and um, the Giants deserve their, their right to have a home final. So, um, unfortunately, Spotless just doesn't cater for too many people. Um, I, I, I'd leave it. It's just one of those things. I don't think it's going to happen all the time. And, That's Campbell Brown there. We also asked Jude Bolton, who is a Sydney man and, in fact, is picking a Battle of the Bridge grand final between Sydney and GWS. It would be quite incredible. Here was Jude's thoughts on a venue swap for the prelim. Um, I think there has to be a little bit of a rethink, but but they have earned earned that right to play at uh, their home final. And uh, 
I, I mean, we've been out there commentating a lot of the Giants games. They've averaged about 14,000 most, most of those times, but this will be jam-packed, obviously, next week. One for one against. Let's go to the phones. And at Mooney Ponds, we've got Benny. Do we swap the venue from Spotless? Yeah, why not? And where would you put it, Benny? Yarrawonga. <laughs> that is not something I expected. Thanks for your call, Tatani. We've got Nicole. We've got a prelim final at Spotless Stadium next week. Capacity of 24,000. Do we need to swap the venue, Nicole? Why do you say that? Um, I think if you change it at such short notice, there's obviously going to be a lot of factors that are not in play that are going to cause a bit of drama. So let's get a you know, massive crowd, full sellout. Interesting. Who's your team, Nicole? I'm actually Collingwood, so it's really a moot point for me. Mm, well, do you want some tickets to We Will Rock You, now playing at the Regent Theatre until 30 October? You're going along, Nicole. Thank you very much. We'll ask Brian Taylor about this issue when he is available. I'm I'm told in classic Brian style, he's uh, just uh, at the moment, we're trying to reunite him with his phone. Where the phone is and where Brian is are the two unknown known knowns in this whole scenario. Ready. A bounce, a right for Nada. The biggest high five yak you've ever seen in your life. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in the film. And this is Bristle's Missile. Take your flags and stick them you know where. <laughs> Bristle man, good morning. Uh, Seb, Higo, who just uh, tweeted in there, he's wrong. Why? Uh, it's really simple. Um, down at uh, KP uh, and Geelong, Geelong have uh, in excess of 70,000 members. They have probably 100,000 people that support, maybe more than 100,000 people support them locally. Whenever Geelong play in a final, they're an 80,000 crowd. That's why you can't play it at Catania Park, because you're going to lock 60,000 out. Now, GWS have 16,000 members. 8,000 of those are in Canberra. And so you've got to say that maybe 2,000 of those might travel. So that gives them 8,000 members, right? The AFL have done surveying on the most amount of people to travel with any away team ever. They believe, and this is through airfares and buses, they believe it's about 4,500 is the maximum amount of people that have travelled interstate. It'll be more than that this time, though. These are premiership-starved bulldogs. They're going to get on a bus, Brian. They're going to ride their bicycles up to Spotless Stadium. Hang on. So if you combine the most amount ever that's travelled, and let's say you're right, let's double it which is unheard of, 8,000, put it together with their 10, you've still got a stadium that's barely full set. Mm, Brian, what the point Higo is making, though, is those 50,000 Geelong fans that would get locked out, do you reckon if you told them you're going to play Hawthorne at the MCG or Hawthorne at Cadinia Park, they might be happy with the home ground advantage and watch a win on TV? Seb, the AFL, I'm just telling you why the AFL have made the decision. I can see it. A a smart man, even a half-smart man... (laughs) could work out that they don't have enough members, there are not that many people that travel, and yes, the dogs will get their numbers, but no more than what uh, Hawthorne would travel or Collingwood would travel. So, you know, yes, the stadium will be full, but they guess what? They will not be locking out 60,000 people. They might be, they might be locking out two or 3,000 people at most. 
Well, mate, we welcomed somebody into the football family last night at the MCG. Socceroos superstar Timmy Cahill. And I know you're a man that stands there on the world stage and says football, AFL football, is the best game in the world. I spoke to Timmy Cahill this morning about what he made of the semi-final last night. Have a listen to what the soccer superstar said about Aussie rules. Mate, I'm converted. <laughs> um, converted. I have to say, um, you know, going on stage at Federation Square, walking with the fans to the stadium, um, that's what it's all about. Uh, they're fighters and they proved that last night. Is that music to your ears or what? Look, I couldn't give a rat. It's great that he loves the game. But see, this is you. This is where you're at. This, this says yeah, more about you Tell me where I'm at, Brian. Him. Let's go. Let's hear it. Come because on, lay it on thick. You're the news hound, and all yes. you care about is the headline. So yes, I do. Timmy Cahill <laughs> goes to the footy and gets excited. Last night, fans will be locked out up in Sydney. Headlines. See, deal with facts and deal with, deal with muscle and tissue and mass. Well, hang on. Timmy Cahill saying something on a telephone call on the record is not a fact. See, this is you, Seb. This is just Brian, Brian, go outside. It's about the game. Pick off some leaves from those trees out at that orchard you live in and clean out your ears. It was on tape. Pally's incredible game, but that wouldn't be that sexy. Talk about the fact that Stringer in the first quarter, when it was. I did talk about Stringer including the commentators and probably including yourself because you only look at the headline. He, he barely touched it, but what he had done, he had three spoils from behind. He had a little flick out. He had two tackles. He was doing what Luke Beveridge calls the baseline thing. Oh, because you would never commentate a game where a team is down by six goals and say, oh, if they could get a quick five here, they're right back into it. What's that got to do with it? It's called beating it up, Brian, and you do it as well. Uh, it's not called beating it up. It's it is. Ca- it's called... It is. People have been talking Brian about the not beater. getting a game, not worthy of his position aside. People like you have been mentioning this. Oh, Stringer, because he's got such a big name. Oh, he didn't play very well. You last called week. him the hey, package. I was over in Perth last week, and he did the things that mattered. He tackled, he chased, he did the baseline things. Yes, the other things didn't quite come from last week, but they came last night, and now all you young, uh, soy-sipping latte, <laughs> bloody mung bean buffheads from down at Brunswick yeah, that's Street yep, uh, that's want to jump aboard. Yep, yep. Hey, how good's Husqvarna, the chainsaws? Husqvarna are, are, are not bad. They're not, they're, they're not as good as still. But oh, Brian, they're better than... We're going to have another argument off air. Mate, I enjoyed that. Thank you. What's the Husqvarna thing? Mate, they're on board the uh, weekend breakfast because they are the quality garden equipment where the pros go. Oh, yes. No, the orange colours of Husqvarna. I used to ride a Husqvarna motorbike. They were very, very good. They've gone back into world (laughs) motocross as well in a very, very big way. (laughs) Oh, you are the best. But they are good chainsaws. And they have lawnmowers as well, you know, sir. Right on lawnmowers. They bloody invented the caper. See you, BT. See ya. If you haven't tried our chicken parmigiana pie, you've got to make up your own mind. It may not sound like your cup of tea, but they're available free at Richmond Station at midday today. Get down there. There's a few warming up out there as well in our studio, which I might have to tuck into as I welcome in to talk news, current affairs, everything that's going on in Melbourne. These two girls know all about it. From the Nine Network, good morning, Jade Vincent. Good morning. From the Ten Network, it is Chanel Vella. Hello. Did you have a look at the pies? 
Uh, I had a look at the pies and uh, so did Brendan Favola, I just see. We saw him trying to break into that pie warmer. Uh, Not very successfully, (laughs) though. He lived in the jungle for so long. I'll plug a Network 10 show there. (laughs) Couldn't get into the pie oven, though. He was giving it a good crack. I reckon it was three or four different attempts to get in there and uh, no pies for Fevy. He hasn't met a hungry journo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) so we can find a pie anywhere. There's been a lot of eating efforts going on around town this week, hasn't there? There was a story that really piqued the interest of Chanel and I, and that was a Melbourne man who was attempting to eat 100 dumplings in the city, in Chinatown. <laughs> and we were really impressed by this attempt. Although I think, Chanel, it didn't happen, did it? No. So this is the breaking news on this. <laughs> We've got an update. Seb, I'm going to break it live Whoa, on, on your show. News you can use here on the weekend breakfast. He wants an extra two weeks. Oh, he's called it off. Just to prepare. He's not ready. The Herald Sun have gone early. <laughs> we'll just let them know that now. So the guy who was going to eat 100 dumplings at a Chinatown restaurant has said he can't do it because of the media attention. Well, I don't know, but he needs an extra two weeks, but I can Of, tell of starvation you. to create the room in his stomach? Something. I don't know. I think I could knock that back on a Friday night. But <laughs> Neela Zissa, I believe is how you say her mm-hmm. name. She's a former Miss New Zealand. Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm interested. size shaming here. No. She's a size six. And that small. is small. Petite. Small. Okay. small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knocked back 100. Under 10 minutes. Uh, what a woman. A size six ate 100 dumplings in 10 minutes. Former Miss New Zealand. Holy. What can you eat a lot of in a short amount of time? I could do a thousand Maltesers in under <laughs> 10. A the thousand. New, the new dark chocolate flavour <laughs> and the milk. Yep, we, <laughs> we were talking world. about this the other night. <laughs> yeah. Peter, you were saying off air that there's a certain food you could smash really quickly. I reckon I could have about a platter full of sushi. I in like one it. Peter is the guy that pushes the buttons on our program. I'm a chicken nugget sort of operator. Oh, I love chicken yeah, nuggets. Yeah, if we need yeah. the, the 24 $10 at KFC, if you just need something to line the stomach a bit. Now, can and I just is, say, though? Yeah. Eating things quickly can result in injury, Jade Vincent. Oh, oh. last night. So speaking of dumplings, yeah. uh, one of my favourite Friday night treats. And I was thinking about this guy who's attempting to eat 100. <laughs> yes. And I, because being hungry journos as we are, mm. try and eat too quickly. We're very impatient. And I got one of those, you know, when you bite into the dumpling and that really hot, scalding juice kind of oh. squirts out all over you. No. Yeah. It burns. I've got a bit of a blister building. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so be warned, man, who's attempting to eat 100 dumplings. Dumpling degree burns. Watch out for that. We're talking to Chanel Vella from Channel 10, Jade Vincent from Channel 9. And Chanel, as we wrap things up, you were involved in this remarkable rescue uh, up at Beechworth. There was a six-year-old boy had Down syndrome, uh, went missing off the property. And, you know, everyone's thinking the worst because there's floods all over the place. And then these two guys, just volunteers, found him. Yeah, absolutely. And can I say one thing about country Victoria? It yep. is where people come to shine. It is where people come out to help. It doesn't matter what situation they're in. They volunteer their time. Hundreds of people streaming into the community town hall to try Who didn't and know the family? Did not know them, never met them. They've only lived there for a week. Wow. Out on horses, dirt bikes, anything they could get. And they found this little boy and it was just absolutely amazing, Jade. As you know, we go to so many of these stories and Seb as well and it just doesn't turn out like this. And I can tell you, when the media found out that this little boy had been found, it looked like the Three Stooges. Everyone was <laughs> running everywhere, bumping into each other. No one knew where to go. But it was an You dropped a story. bag of Maltesers and I just dropped, left them there, didn't I even go back. the Maltesers there. But this little boy, Ben Dean, is so cute. You know, he came out with all these stories when he was found that he'd been attacked by bears, snakes ate his shoes, he'd had a fight with a wallaby. <laughs> this amazing <laughs> well, hang on. adventure. When he got on. back, 
went, they asked him what he'd been doing. Just and he, lying. And he came up with all the, he said he'd been fighting with a wallaby. Yep. He'd just, had a great time. He'd had a great time. That's fantastic. But how amazing how calm he stayed yep. that he was found reading his book on a rock. <laughs> You know, just chilling. It's not phase. What's the not fuss, phase. guys? Yeah. I've just phase. gone for a sleepover in the bush. That's fantastic. Channel 9's Jade Vincent, Channel 10's Chanel Vella. They wrap up the current affairs and the news of the week here on a Saturday morning. Good to see you. Thank you. Go get a you. pie. <laughs> or at least show Fev, show Fev how <laughs> to open the thing. Oh, he's got one now. <laughs> Thanks to Timmy Cahill, Campbell Brown, Jude Bolden. It's been fun. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the footy tonight. Oh, yeah. Triple M's weekend breakfast host Seb Costello is a mad keen green thumb. Gets all his gardening equipment same place as the pros. Husqvarna, ready when you are.